Welcome back. It's a Monday afternoon. It's going to be a busy one today. Three hours with you. That's right. Four to seven. It's the way we like it. It's the full show today. No abbreviated edition. No two and a half hours. No one hour. No 30 minutes. No two hours, 30 minutes. The full three. The full three. That's the way to go. Hope all the moms out there had a good Mother's Day weekend celebrating with their families. And those of you listening, I hope uh, those of you that that, uh, did celebrate Mother's Day had a very good, uh, memorable Mother's Day. And uh, excited now about uh, the rest of the month of May. Hard to believe we're already nine days in. Hard to believe we saw Canelo Alvarez lose over the weekend. And what an event. Orange Fever Fiesta OFF. It was unbelievable. Um... Having a chance to go out there um, and be part of the Palo Verde Homes invite list was always nice. I was excited about that. By the way, uh, this was simply put one of the great um, you know opportunities hookups I've had in a while. First off, uh, I got to thank Edgar for um, saving a spot for me and my son Joel and uh, also my nephew Benny Kaplowitz. We had three of them at the event. We had Joel and Benny. Nice. They're uh, they're nine months apart, and then I was there as well. And we had a, a nice group of table. Nice. Uh, it was fun. Um, yeah, just you know, good good people. Just fun stuff. And the event was great. And then, oh man, uh, Hunter Pennypacker hooked us up big time. He so um, Hunter is part of eighteen thirty six Boot Company. That's his baby. And uh, Hunter had uh, he had a couple of pairs of custom boots that were going to be auctioned off at the event at Orange Fever Fiesta. He said, do me a favor. Will you be a model for me? I go, what does that entail? He goes, I'll make you a pair of custom boots. You get up on the stage and model them. I said, done. That sounds amazing. Never had a pair of custom boots before. Never had a pair of boots since I was about six years old, seven years old. We moved here in 78 from New York. And, of course, my mom had to get me a pair of Tony Llamas when I was like six or seven years old. That was the thing. All I remember was they hurt my feet. I didn't. I wore them, but I was never, you know, they were never really that comfortable. So I had that memory in the back of my mind, and it wasn't, it's not that, Tony Lama's an uncomfortable boots. I was six or seven years old and probably had no idea what a real set of boots were like because this was the late 70s, early 80s, all right? Things have changed since then. So when Hunter decided to say, hey, if you guys, if you know, if you'll be a, you're going to the event, if you'll be happy to model this, I'll, uh, I'll make you a pair. I, I jumped the opportunity. I haven't worn a pair of boots in 40 years, and I was a little scarred from that uh, years ago. So he uh, created this incredible ostrich skin uh, boot, and it was, and the top was white, but it had a UTEP pick, and then the number eighty. Which, by the way, um, apparently it was a design that Hunter had made for his brother-in-law a few years ago, who played for UTEP, wore number eighty, and I really didn't care what number was on there. I mean, listen. You're getting a pair of custom boots. You 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 very grateful for what you have. So I tried them on, Adrian. They fit like a glove. Loved them. Wore them with some jeans. 
uh, out, had a chance to model them. The person handling the auction had no idea who I was, which made it even better because I went up on stage and you could tell that she's used to the microphone. And when I tried to get it to, to talk to the crowd, she was a little hesitant because she didn't know she had no idea anything about me. And I didn't tell her. I, I, I just told her my name was Steve. That was I didn't. I, people knew in the crowd. She had no idea. Still has no idea. It made it so much fun because she just thought I was some just some random stranger walking up with a pair of custom boots, showing them off before the auction hit. And that you had to say you had something to say as well. But well, I, that's so cool that you got those. I really liked the photo that you sent me. Um, the, the those boots came out real nice. Those boots were money. They were. You you called and you said those boots were sick. I'm telling you, man, they were beautiful. I loved how the white top on it had a had a really nice uh, contrast with the brown tan boot in itself. Yep. Uh, the uh, the ostrich finish was real nice, and yeah, Hunter hooked you up, hooked you up nicely there. He did a great job at 1836 Boot Company, um, which uh, again, you know, is is they they did well. They, we we were able to get two pairs auctioned off. I think fourteen hundred a piece wow, is what awesome. is what they paid for the boots. That is so great right there. And I like it too because you get the number eighty right there on the boot. You get yes. all that customization plus the pick uh that you get as well. It was awesome. It was awesome. So and for the women screaming when I was modeling the boot, thank you. That was very nice. That that definitely uh that, that definitely made me feel good. So thank you very much. There were a couple of people, and they weren't family members. That was even better. So, you know, that was that was nice, too. So the event was great. In fact, uh, Sarah Tui is going to join us at 6 today and kind of recap Orange Fever Fiesta from UTEP. She'll be dropping by the Lubingo Studios in a couple hours. Uh, Angela Olivas will be by here in our 4 o'clock hour. And then we, we've got some fun for you in the 5 o'clock hour. Um, you guys might remember a couple of years ago when the UTEP Fan Council first started. Oscar Lloyd Jr. was, like, tweeting crazy, like, just detailed tweets, breaking down the meetings, talking about what happened. Really didn't amaze. It was like a PSA. Did such a good job. And you know what, Adrian? We were talking about the fan council last week because even though it's back as a result of COVID, it feels like it's kind of lost a little steam because when it first came around, everybody was excited. The university sent out the release of who each fan was, their two-year terms and all that. So we thought it'd be a great idea to bring Oscar back on the program in our 5 o'clock hour and have him talk a little bit about what he learned with his two years at the UTEP Fan Council. Yeah, I think it's a great idea to bring him back and to ask him about the advancements in the Fan Council. What have they accomplished so yep. far since uh, they, they started this back in 2018 when Jim Center first arrived here on campus? And what plans do they have for the future? I'm, I'm so curious. Is like a status report update because we got all these updates in year one. Let's Let's get an update and play some catch-up with Oscar. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, that'd be amazing. That would be amazing. So uh, I'm excited for him, too. I think it's going to be terrific. Oscar uh, is excited about coming back. And I think we had him on once, didn't we, when the, when the fan council was on? Did we do it with him or with somebody else? Yeah, You know, I do think it was with him. We, we did something with yeah. him specifically, and then we got a good insight on what happened at the fan council meetings. But, I mean, the fan council started, what, about 20... 19 maybe? I think it was like 2018. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would I would probably guess. Okay. All I remember is YYS tried out for the fan council, didn't get it and was upset. 
I do remember that. I think a lot of listeners were upset that they didn't get a part of it. So we were trying yes. to find out who is a fan council member. Yes. And then Oscar was like the spokesperson for all of them. That's exactly right. And he was doing a great job on Twitter with that. So he'll join us in our Lubingo studios at 5. And then in the 6 o'clock hour, after Sarah uh, comes into the studio, we will go on the phones today. Excited about this also because we get to uh, to jump on the phone and spend a little time with one of the newest UTEP minors, Shamar Gavantz. He um, um, committed on Saturday. By the way, he wasn't the only one. There was another commit that kind of completely went under the radar because nobody had any idea about him. We'll tell you about him in a moment. So uh, Shamar will be with us on the phone lines coming up at 6 o'clock. So we got a got a good show today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's going to be a great show. Loaded show, Steve, and yes. a busy week here locally with just a lot of sports going on. 100% right. 100% right. Uh, I saw this picture of Aaron Jones uh, at the F1 race over the weekend, and he was wearing his own shirt, and it was a cool-looking shirt. Like, it had his... It had like four or five images of him. It had his name on the bottom. I'm like, that is a great self-promoter. He's wearing his own shirt. So I tweeted out, where can we find this shirt? And because it was from the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gatz. They tweeted out the photo of Aaron Jones. And then two people responded by saying shirt link here. And I'm like, oh, how cool. There's a place out of California that's doing this shirt. But then the guy that actually uh, came up with this said, don't fall for this. It's not for sale, and it was only a one of a kind. So there's two things. Number one, thank you, Mr. Strzok, for notifying me that you made a one of a kind shirt for Showtime. However, that shirt was too cool. You should definitely open that up. And since you're in El Paso, give uh, El Paso the chance to buy that shirt. Because, Adrian, I looked at that shirt, and I thought, man, that's a, that, would, that would sell well in El Paso. People like that. It's a good design, and, you know, it's one of a kind. Uh, thing doesn't really fly with me because too many people would want want to own that. But thank you for notifying me of the scam that is going online where somebody is out there trying to rip you off and basically copy that shirt or just take your money. That's good news. Appreciate the heads up on that. But, you know, that shirt should also be... Uh, be produced for more than just uh, one individual, Mr. Aaron Jones himself. Yeah, the Struck Apparel Company, and I guess that's uh, the the brand here in El Paso, which is which was the one that actually put together the Aaron Jones shirt. Yeah. I wonder once they'll start putting it together, they have a StruckApparel.shop website, so maybe we can kind of watch that website to see if there will be uh, an actual original instead of these. Bots. I went to that. I went to that. I went to that website too, and that was disappointing because there was nothing on there. And I'm like, look, man, if you're going to get a little publicity out of this and do it at least have some something good to offer us don't just make these one-offs that's not any good well i think he does it based on drops so it's supposed to create the demand it's supposed to create the excitement so when he has a quote-unquote drop it sells out right away that's the idea behind that oh screw that i don't want a drop i want i want a shirt that's available so people can get it and enjoy it this the idea of a drop this is el paso for crying out loud Stop it with the drop. I hear you. No, I'm with you on that. I mean, I like the idea of creating something that gets big and sells out, but you've got the number one professional athlete in this town who finally has a shirt that really looks cool that people would want to buy, so offer it to people instead of waiting for the next drop of your one-of-one shirt. 
That's all I'm saying. He's being a little uh, greedy on this, a little selfish. I, I think he is. I think that's uh, – I don't like the look. I don't like the look. One of one. That's that's no, don't do that. Great design, by the way. It is a great design, which is why he's robbing the public by making a one of one. That's a, that's not fair. So make it available to people. Throw a twenty twenty five dollar price tag on that and sell them. Maybe they've got to clear something with the Packers. Maybe that's why he can't profit off it. Who knows? Then how did he make one for Aaron Jones to wear? Because he's not selling it. Maybe he gifted it or something like that. You think? I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing out some ideas right here. I don't know. Take a page out of the Chihuahuas when Angela joins us next segment. They make they put everything available for for purchase and they do a great job and they and they blow that stuff out. There's no drops from the Chihuahuas. They do it the right way. They offer up the gear and give people a chance to get it. Whenever there's a drop, I know that I could get that uh, same T-shirt, jersey, cap next week, the week after, whatever, at the team shop. That's why it's not a drop, right? Yeah, it's a release. Exactly. Exactly right. All right, thank you for that. That's that's good to know. So anyway, that's the weekend. That's what happened this weekend. Hope all of you had a good time. Anyway, the weather's starting to heat up now. Good swimming weather. For those of you with pools or like to go out and swim, it's, it's, it's nice now. And I'll pass, what, 90 degrees. Things are looking good. Pretty excited about that, too. You go watch a movie for movie reviews this oh, week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to. Okay. Have you seen the new, uh, I want to see the new Doctor Strange movie. I have not. I'm that not. looks good. My Maybe. son's bugging me. He wants to go see Sonic 2. Really? Yeah, he wants to see Sonic 2. I want to go see Doctor Strange. I heard a lot of good things about Doctor Strange. I, was, I thought you were going to tell me you heard a lot of good things about Sonic 2. Nothing so, yet. No okay. reviews yet there. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right, listen. We got a lot to talk about on the program. Um, we'll get Angela next. We'll talk about what's happening in this upcoming homestand. By the way, congrats. Kudos to the locomotive and how they're putting it together. I'm not going to lie to you. I was worried about uh, Coach Hutch and this season. He was even apologizing a couple of weeks ago when he came on the show. All they're doing it now is is beating up everybody, and, they've, and their defense is starting to come around. Their offense is producing goals, and now here you go. Uh, locomotive FC are starting to roll big time. That's great news, especially if you went over the weekend and watched that 4 nothing uh, shutout win by uh, your locomotive. So, a lot to cover. We'll have it all with Angela next, right after Charlie won and this traffic update. 20 past. The sports talk continues. Adrian, we have one half of the uh, A-team in the studio today. What happened to the other half? <laughs> he's off today. <laughs> yeah, he's off. All good. <clears throat> you know, the last couple of Mondays we've tried to do this, uh, Andy's been off. Now, I thought he's got a permanent Monday vacation day, but apparently... <laughs> That is not the case, right? He does work on Mondays sometimes. Yeah, so um, we have great leadership who understands that 75 home games is a whole lot. So uh, when there's no weekend game, we do alternate A, B staff. So we Ah. have A that's off on Fridays, B off on Mondays, and vice versa. So we take turns alternating. Um, and so the, the last two times you've, you've reached out, it's been Andy's turn. And then I usually have the other, the other half, but, um, Mondays are jam packed for me. So usually I don't take Mondays off, even if I get Mondays off. So, well, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's been a busy uh, start to the season. Let's be honest. It has. It's been hectic. You know, you've got uh, Sacktown coming tomorrow. That's right. Um, Blake Snell is going to uh, be starting. That's right. Scheduled to pitch tomorrow. I'm excited about that. It's our second that. rehab. It's our second pitching rehab from the Padres that we've had in in two uh, series. So, Will Blake be available to uh, the media before he pitches, or you don't know? Does he not? We're, uh, we're finding that out. We're we're still on standby. I hope he is. <laughs> that would be good. In fact, um, 
we met Blake. We met Blake at Peoria. Oh, wow. When we met the entire rotation, they were all there working out that day before games started, and uh, he was awesome. Had a yeah. lot of fun with him, and uh, it was very cool getting a chance to meet uh, one of the members of the Chihuahuas that day. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, you know, he hasn't pitched yet this year. He went on injured after being traded, what, in injured mid-season last season? That's right. And so this will this is hopefully his last stop before he heads back to the Padres and, and pitches in 2022. Well, I'm excited because, uh, first off, let's talk about the crowds. The crowds have been terrific to oh start goodness. the season off. Yes. The first two homestands with Oklahoma City and Reno have been packed. Uh, I was there on a Saturday night. The place was just jamming. And this was the second homestand, Reno. And it was just tons you stayed of for people. fireworks? I did. How about those and fireworks? The fireworks were amazing. It was a walk-off win. Yes. The fireworks were spectacular. And here's the really cool thing, okay? I was driving home with uh, the kids Saturday after the Orange Fever Fiesta, and we caught the fireworks show <laughs> the just trying to get out of the area. The fireworks are going crazy. So we, the kids were like, oh, my God. They were, you know what one of them said? He goes, we're watching a fireworks show for free. <laughs> he was so happy because there it was, just lighting yep. up the sky. It was great. Hey, I tell you, uh, Rod and his crew from Quick Effects are Quick Effects Extreme are really great at what they do. They do, they do locomotive chihuahuas. I know they do the Sunbowl Association, and I'm pretty sure they do UTEP. They are just professional in every way. The way that they design fireworks, and if you haven't been to a fireworks show at Chihuahuas or Locomotive, you're missing out because we choreograph them for to music, and so you're not just watching fireworks go up in the air when they do. It's literally choreographed to music. So the way that that, that he choreographs them with different types of fire fireworks, fireballs. Right. Oh, the fireballs flames. are fun. <laughs> that is awesome, so, too. spinners. Yep. How many <laughs> do you crazy. launch during the course of about a 10-minute show? I That's a great question. I That's a good question. I, I've I never like counted. I feel like there's hundreds that are launched. <laughs> probably. Probably. He does such a good job. It's, it's unbelievable. And depending on the music, too. So mm-hmm. it slows down when it's slow, and then it speeds up when it's fast, and then you get the surprise fireballs here and there and flames, and it's just it's amazing. They, that is as good as it gets. I mean, I've watched fireworks shows at sporting events for 40 years, but man, oh, man, you guys have it down to a science. It's all Rod. It That's is good. all Rod. So we're excited to have him back. And then we just announced for Locomotive every Saturday home match for Locomotive moving forward for the – through the end of 2022, we'll have fireworks. I didn't realize you didn't have. I was always assuming every Saturday was a fireworks show no matter what. No, but now we've added them because they're so popular. We, couldn't, we could not have them. You know, when, when the fans call, we listen, and that was one of the things that they wanted to be similar like Chihuahuas, and so we went ahead and did that. We added fireworks to every Saturday home match. Nicely done. All right, Absolutely. Angelo, leave us with us here from El Paso uh, Chihuahuas. Baseball, 24 past the hour. Tomorrow night, so, so really the cool thing about this homestand is Every single game except for Sunday is a 6.35 start. Correct. So this whole week is 6.35, and then you get the 12.05 Sunday game, which uh, is the Salute to Service Sunday. That and Bark yes. at the Park. It's That's our right. first GECU Bark at the Park. So it's grab your dogs, grab their shot records, because you cannot enter the ballpark without their shot records. They have to be up-to-date and current. We can't let you in without them. But grab those two things. Come on down to the ballpark and bring the pup to the park. I know I'm bringing Miss Bennett. Miss Bennett will be there all in her glory. What so. kind of dog is Miss Bennett? She's a multi-poo. She's a <laughs> multi-poo. Ador- huh? She's adorable. <laughs> and if you follow me on social, you'll you see enough of her all the time. Do you bring her to every park at the park? I try to. I try to. How do you to. do that considering you're working? 
So I usually work the entrance table at Bark at the Park, so I sit her right there on the table so she can say hello to everybody. And mm, gotcha. she's small enough. She's a miniature poodle mix, so um, she's a mini multi poo, and and so she's very tiny, and so she can sit on the on the table. Uh, hypoallergenic since it's a multi poo. Exactly. Oh, that's very that's cool. Why, I, that's why I cannot do fur. I can only do hair. I don't blame so. you. So that's good. It works out well that yes, way. How yes. is she with other dogs? She does not. She she likes. People. She loves humans. Other dogs, she gets very um, possessive of me. So when I start to go pet another dog, she gets very barky. It's interesting <laughs> because I feel like sometimes the little ones are the most possessive when it comes to their owners. She is very possessive of me. Yes. Even when Lizzie comes over and Lizzie's hanging out with me and she comes to give me a kiss goodbye, she gets very angry at Lizzie. Really? <laughs> yes. Does she uh, Does she like Lizzie when, the, when Lizzie is paying attention to the dog? Oh, 100%. So as long She's as the dog rotten. is getting the love, the dog is okay. Yes, when it's other people, absolutely. the dog gets ticked off. Yes. <laughs> but she loves humans. She That's absolutely good. does. But GECU Bark at the Park on Sunday. It's also, we have our, our first, a brand new for, you know, 2022 is our seltzer promotion. So it's $5 um, seltzers on Sunday. And then, of course, Salute to Service presented by AT&T. All right. So let me make sure I've got this right here for Sunday. You've got also, um, and also active duty military and veterans will receive pretzel and beer combos. That's correct. With a valid ID. Correct. That's very cool. Sunday's jam-packed. We always try to put it in there. And then kids run the basis post game presented by the Hospitals of Providence. I mean, come on. We are jam-packed for Sunday. That's the last day of the homestand. Um, it all kicks off tomorrow with Blake Snell scheduled to appear, 2018 yes. Cy, Young Award win- Cy Young Award winner. Um, and I, he was an all-star that year, I believe, too. Um, and then it all kicks off tomorrow. Talk, Taco Twos and Brews presented by Isabella Foods. Wednesday, we have Wine and Nine Wednesday presented by Trin. Trinchetto family estate so it's uh single served four dollar wines and a nine dollar food special oh that's really cool so you can eat for 13 bucks exactly i like that that's nice it is yes uh specials are available two and a half hours after after the gates open open. that's right that is very cool all right and then on uh, thursday thursdays look thrifty thursday you essentially give everybody two dollar deals on anything you want Pretty much, right? Because it's yeah. it's twelve ounce beer. It's a twelve ounce uh, draft beer. Twelve ounce rotating beer. Um, you get a twelve ounce margarita. You get Pepsi. You get a hot dog. You get popcorn. <laughs> so you name it. Um, it's also Nurses Night presented by the Hospitals of Providence. Um, we actually have some appreciation nights. We have three this homestand. So on Wednesday, it's Teachers Appreciation presented by GECU. Um, if you're a teacher, come on out. Enjoy those $4 wine specials. Head to the promotions booth because you have chance to win a couple of, uh, we're giving away $200 GECU gift cards. Um, Nurses Night is on is on Thursday. Nurses love our two dollars specials, and then I, well, everybody loves your two dollars <laughs> specials. But nurses, nurses especially, especially, think it's like the on. greatest thing ever. <laughs> yes. So yeah, and you do well with nurses night, don't we you? We actually do very well. Um, we love to salute them. They're you know on the front lines. You know they're the ones that you probably see most when you're in the hospital. You see them when you're in the doctor's office. Um, and then first responders night is on uh, Saturday. By the way, I still think that the greatest deal ever is the seniors eat free. In fact, 
I'm closing in on this special in the next <laughs> decade because you get a hot dog meal with a hot dog, a bag of chips, and a 16-ounce soda or bottled water for free. That's correct. That's the first thing my dad comes. When he walks in yes. the ballpark, that's the first place he goes is to the promo booth. He gets his little coupon, and then he goes and gets his free meal. I don't blame him. I would do the exact same thing if I was him. Adrian, uh, he's a smart man. Yes, he is. Mr. Bernie is a very smart man. Absolutely. It just hit me, though, that like in a decade, I'm just about going to be there for seniors eat free at the uh, chihuahuas that's phenomenal news. i started laughing with that one Steve. oh i love it all right bottom of the hour more with angela as we continue here on the program but first let's go to adrian and get this sports center update uh, we're back right now with angelo Levas uh, from el paso uh, chihuahuas baseball and locomotive fc by the way uh locomotive i think have uh, two matches in about the next three weeks i saw the schedule there's uh yep. there's one towards the end of may and then one in june yeah, so we actually uh, come back after playing in Pittsburgh on Saturday. We come back home on Wednesday, May 18th. It's yep. uh, We're giving away T-shirts to the first 1,500 fans in attendance with paid admission. And then um, at the end of May, towards the end of May, we'll also have a have another fireworks show. June 4th is our Pride Night. Um, that will be a, a jersey auction with fireworks. Um as Saturdays, we got to love those Saturdays, uh, adding those fireworks spectaculars, um, which is awesome. So this, they're on a 3-0 stretch right now. We're hoping to make it 4-0 in Pittsburgh to come back 4-0 uh, and play on Wednesday. If you haven't seen this team, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I've said it from the start. I've never been a huge soccer fan. I'm a sports fan. But yeah. watching this team compared to last year, it's just so fast and dynamic is, is how I would describe it. These guys are, are just pace the way they pace back and forth it's just amazing and lucho has just been amazing he's what five goals and in, in three three matches i think it's probably even more than that but we've we've well. get, gotten those nine points that we needed and so we're above that playoff line right now and and we want to keep keep it going i was excited because um I get to vote for the uh, USL Championship Player of the Week every week, and I saw Lucho's name as he should have been there, and uh, he got my vote, and I'm really hoping that this week especially, Lucho will win the USL uh, Championship Player of the Week award. It would be great. I, I was telling somebody we need to call ourselves a Lucho Motive because he's just been on a roll. The, he, he's just unstoppable, and, and the way that these guys pass and play and, and you know, it's just all those assists that they're getting, and he's just able to find that the back of the net, which is pretty amazing. I'll tell you what else is amazing. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but um, it seems like John Hutchinson and Mark Lowry's teams are mirroring themselves so far this year. <laughs> right? They both started out struggling out of the gates, and I think uh, Mark's won four in a row. John Hutchinson's has won, uh, Hutch has won three in a row, and they're both climbing now into the top uh, six, top seven of the Eastern and Western Conference, which is pretty fun to see because we know what Mark is capable of, and they're doing just that. And now you're starting to see Hutch have the same effect as uh, they've won, you know, four, uh, three in a row and just one of the hottest teams right now in USL Championship. Yeah, I mean, Locomotive started 0-4, and, and they're now 4-1-1 in their last six matches. Yep. Um, it's the most goals scored in the league with 24 so far. So when I say that they're explosive and they're dynamic, I mean, it's just amazing well, to watch. We thought that the only thing holding this team back was their defense because and the truth look. was, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> had a now, <laughs> now their defense is playing well. And with that offense, you give that defense the kind of performances they've had, and all of a sudden, 
there's no reason why this team can't just keep rocketing up the standings in the Western Conference. Absolutely, and that's what was key is, is getting the defense to buy into that system. Playing a little bit more forward is what I've been told because I'm, I'm learning soccer, guys. I'm learning this just specifically for locomotive, and it's, it's really cool to, to see. I know plenty about baseball, but um, learning a new sport the way I am is, is, pretty, is pretty cool. And um, to have the defense play up a little bit and be a little bit more aggressive in the front has been pretty wa- fun to watch for somebody who's really into the offensive. And the whole, my whole issue with soccer before was that it was just so slow, for me anyway. Um, <laughs> and now it's, it's just fun to watch. This team is very, very different. Than, not, that I'm, not that watching Mark Lowry's team was different, but to, the way Hutch just has his style of play is just so different. I agree with you. Um, I want to get back to Chihuahuas before we yep. wrap it up. Friday night is scout night sleep overnight, and that's going to be fun too. Yeah. Because they changed it from not from a sleepover to not, but it's presented okay. by Whataburger. Um, and then it's also bring back the W. Uh, we haven't posted that. If you get the newsletter, you'll see it. But uh, Whataburger coupons upon exit will be given out. So oh, that's always a fun part. Yeah, of it. yeah. So hey, you know what excited. else I've noticed about the Chihuahuas promotional schedule so far this year, which I actually kind of like. You have not announced any giveaway dates in terms of the big the big stuff yet. It's if you go to the website, it's just your regular promos, and you haven't really put that down yet. So it's almost like a surprise for fans when they get to hear what's going to be given out in terms of the premium items here in 2022. Yeah, we, we've posted a couple of them. If you go to the very top of the promo page and you put clear all, um, you'll see some promos. Uh, we are holding back some major, some key ones that are more towards the end of the season. Our first major promotion, uh, promotional giveaway will be the jersey, the Howling Dog jersey. Uh, I believe it's May the 24th or 25th i can't remember it's that friday um but it's the howling dog that would be the 27th oh there i'm way off (laughs) the 27th uh the 25th is a day game that's what it is yes Uh, that's correct yes so the 25th is our final midweek day game that 27th is our howling dog replica jersey giveaway that's true and you've got u.s mini flags on june the 14th um, and you've got a few other things sprinkled here and there. But for the most part, you know, there are still a lot of other items that could be uh, added to the list as your homestands start to uh, start to develop. And premium items, too, that Andy has up his sleeve, as well as some jersey auctions we haven't announced yet. So uh, when the A-team is back together, maybe he'll... S- He'll spill the beans on some of those, but we have some major promos that we haven't yet announced. We wanted to do uh, focus on what we what we want to do best, which is what the fans want. And you know, in the past couple of years, because of the way things have gone, we haven't really released the entire schedule for promotions. We've done it in in parts, and it seems to work way better for us and better for our fans. Um, and so we're excited to be able to announce those coming up. EPChihuahuas.com for all your information. EPChihuahuas.com. That's right. All right. Great to see you. Thanks for stopping in. And uh, looking forward to another great homestand starting tomorrow night. Sounds good. She's Angelo Levis, one half of the A-team, as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back with plenty more. Plus, 5 o'clock, our Oscar Lloyd Jr. is going to join us in our Lubingo studios and talk a little bit about what he learned from the UTEP Fan Council experience. That's all coming up right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. 46 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. So the upset of upsets took place even greater than the mind that bird upset at the Kentucky Derby. It was wild. It was crazy. It was 80 to 1 lunacy. But, you know, the fun part about horse racing is this. You never know 
when something wild is going to happen. And Rich Strike just did it. Did it down the stretch. Came in strong on the inside. And that was the beauty of it. Even when they were calling the race, they didn't pick up Rich Strike until probably the last six or seven seconds. I mean, amazing. The horse paid $163 for a $2 bet. That's wild, Adrian. Yeah, I mean, just watching it and how it was happening, everybody was kind of focused on the two uh, the two favorites who were kind of neck and neck down the stretch. And then uh, just what you ended up seeing from Rich Strike uh, winning it at the end, no one saw this coming, absolutely no one. But it was really the weekend of upsets. It was. It was. Lots of them. Um, nothing as big as the Derby, though. Let's, let's just be honest. Nothing as big as what took place, um, you know, really um, – on Saturday at Churchill. That was wild. In fact, you start to look at everything else that happened. In the NBA, for example, um, you know, Bucks with a big win on Saturday over the Celtics. They needed that two-point win, um, which, by the way, I mean, it was almost an overtime game. Almost. But Celtics figured out uh, how to pull that one off. Al Horford was incredible, 22-16-5. Great to see Al Horford, by the way, as his career has, uh, you know, it was kind of up and down, and he goes back to Boston, and now he's, he's back up again. Yeah, I mean, great game for Al Horford. Unfortunately for the Celtics, losing that game in the final seconds, not able to tip it in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just kind of as time was expiring. The For the Milwaukee Bucks, it's Giannis just going at you. Know, he's Crazy. taking the whole team and putting it on his back right now. He's doing everything from facilitating to getting rebounds and, of course, scoring, so Giannis, best player in the league, no, no doubt about it, and uh, he's well, showing it right, why right here. Now, hang on. According to the NBA, the best player in the league, no doubt about it, is uh, is Jokic because he won again the uh, NBA MVP award. Yeah, regular season, best okay. regular season MVP. But when and, the and when, award. When, so when you're saying when the game is on the line, Giannis is the guy that's right now the best in the league. That's right. Yeah, okay. when when we're making the list of like, hey, who do I want for a game seven final game in a series? You need to win one single mm-hmm. game. It's Giannis for sure for me at least. Uh, I think you could put Kevin Durant in that mix. I think you could also put Jokic in that mix. Were you, so, were you surprised um, that the Warriors blew out the Grizzlies as bad as they did in Game 3? No, I wasn't. I, I think the Warriors are a really good team, and I also think that the Grizzlies just lack experience. The way that the Grizzlies are going to win is if they get fired up after uh, you know that Game 3 suspension to Dylan Brooks. But you look at this uh, upcoming Game 4 tonight, Steve, I'm, yeah. I'm just worried uh, you know, for Memphis and me- for many different reasons, but the biggest reason of this is uh, John Morant looking like he's going to be out in Game 4. Mm. It looks like that knee injury that he suffered in Game Three—it's it's just going to be—it's pro- uh, just proving too much to to uh, go against him, and he's going to be sitting out for this one. So Golden State's a nine and a half point favorite right now, uh, much closer in that Buck Celtics series with Milwaukee leading two games to one. In fact, Boston cannot afford to go down three one tonight in Milwaukee. Yeah, must win. I mean, you, you could look at this game as kind of that uh, really it, – it's a it's kind of a program-changing game for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because if they win this one, it's all tied up. It's a best-of-three series, and, and you really get to see what kind of uh, – you know, what, what Boston really has left in them with home court advantage left with them uh, in the rest of the series. But if they lose this game, then we're still questioning, and we're back to square one with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown wondering if these two, if these two young stars can really take it to the next level and actually win uh, and go far in the Eastern Conference playoffs. James Harden's been huge uh, for these uh, last couple games for Philadelphia. He went off again yesterday, 31 points, and now all of a sudden, 
Uh, you know, we talked about how big time uh, Giannis is when you need it. Harden is another one of those guys, seems to rise to the occasion when you need him. Well, that's the biggest problem, Steve. He didn't show up in the first two games, but you could also say that, you know, the lack of not having, uh, you know, Joel Embiid's absence really hurt Philly in those first two games. So now that you have him working with James Harden, Joel Embiid working with James Harden, that really benefits Harden. I mean, having Embiid back on the floor, you could stretch everything. You can throw it to Tyrese Maxey. You could flip it to him whenever you need a bucket. So now, you know, we're talking about a weekend of ups. Sets. Man, this this whole series yeah. has been flipped upside down, just like the Mavs and well, the, the Sun series. By the way, uh, let's talk about the Mavs-Sun series for just a second. Not what happened on the court, but let's have off the court, all right? Um, you've got fans harassing families of players. Uh, that's got to stop, all right? Now, I don't know what the NBA is going to do. I don't know if, uh, you know, Monty Williams said give him a special section. I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe put him in a suite. Put him someplace away from opposing fans because you can't touch a an individual. You can't do that. And for them to go after Chris Paul's mom and his wife, like what is going on in Dallas right now with fans? I don't care how much you want to get into the game. You can't put your fingers on on the family of a player. You can't do that. You shouldn't put your fingers on anybody, to be honest. But Chris Paul's wife and mom shows up with their kids, and you've got one getting, uh, you know, having their hand put, another one getting pushed. You can't do that. Yeah, I understand why CP3 is so upset with this whole I situation. Yeah, because you have your kids there as well, and your kids are, are saying that they're uncomfortable after this whole situation. So if you're a player in that situation, you don't want to have to look over your back wondering if your family's okay. It's the that worst. Should be, that should be the last thing on your mind. At, at that point, I would almost, you know, if I was CP3, I would say, hey, just stay home. I mean, yeah. I, I would love for you all to be in this arena and to watch me play live, but just stay home. I don't even want to risk anything. Uh, Cuban should put him up in a suite. All right, he should, just, he should just put him someplace, make him his special guest, put him where they belong because right now nobody deserves to be harassed by uh, by fans. You, you can't do that. You yeah. just can't. If you're going to go out and as the NBA going out to your players and finding them left and right for you know flipping off fans, as they should, as the NBA should, then the NBA should also equally provide that protection to their players just to know that their families will be okay uh, when they're watching the game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I heard that story, and it just that just leaves a bad taste, doesn't it? it really does. That's just, you know, it, it shouldn't happen. I don't care, um, and I and I don't really think that the the Paul family was obnoxious. I, I doubt that, but you know what? Once again, um, fans cross the line. My biggest problem with, with with sports right now and entertainment in general, especially what after what happened with Will Smith, is that um, fans are crossing the line. You're seeing what happened with Dave Chappelle at a comedy club in L.A. Now you got the situation with uh, the the families of athletes in playoff games. Uh, This is a problem right now. Fans feel like they could do whatever they want, and you can't. You can't do that. So that's part of the issue right now. I've got uh, sports, entertainment. they got to start getting control and rein this stuff in. Yeah, I mean, even the first round of the playoff series with Minnesota, you had fans storming the court and chaining themselves to the basketball, you know, goalposts. So it's like, come on, why are you going to chain somebody? You chain yourself to the hoop and, and cause this whole scene. I get yeah. it; it's for protesting. Yeah, but yeah, still. fans are really crossing the line lately. Hundred percent. All right. Speaking of fans, we've got a guy coming into our Lubingo Studios next hour who is a fan himself and was even on a fan council with UTEP. 
I want to find about uh, find out about what Oscar Lloyd Jr. learned over his two years serving with the fan council. He'll be with us next. Sports Talk continues. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. All right, start of hour number two here on Sports Talk as we get going. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's Adrian. It's been a while since we talked about the UTEP Fan Council. I feel like we got into that for a while. We were really uh, interested in what was going on and what was happening. And then, like everything else, COVID came. And, well, we haven't really talked as much about the Fan Council like we did when it first started up. Yeah, we definitely haven't, Steve. So we need a, a good catch-up. It's probably been a, uh, about two years since we've had a dedicated conversation to the UTEP Fan Council. So, yeah, this is a, a great time to catch up on all this. I agree, because if you remember, folks, uh, Oscar Lloyd Jr., who you can follow on Twitter at Oscar uh, Jr. 915 uh, was all over Twitter with the Fan Council. He would tweet out detailed recaps. He would just really kind of give everybody the in-depth look of what was going on behind the scenes of the Fan Council. I think he joined us on the phones to talk about it as well. We invited Oscar to our Lubingo studios because we thought, you know what, even though he's not now part of the Fan Council, you spend three years uh, with that group. You learn a lot. You see it a little bit of a different way. So, Oscar was kind enough to uh, to join us here as we begin hour number two. Welcome to the program, and thanks for uh, taking us up on the invitation. Oscar, how are you? Good. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Adrian, for having me. It's funny because when we were talking about you last week, we're like, hey, remember the person that was always on Twitter, always at, you know, tweeting out? And then we found your handle. We were looking at it. We said, man, he hasn't been as active as, as you were when you were on the fan council. This is what happens, Oscar. Now you go back to your day job and uh, you don't get to have the same amount of tweet, uh, tweets like you used to. Yeah, you know what? I mean, life happens. Um, That's and, true. And you, you stay busy and you stay busy with other things. Uh, nonetheless, I, I do follow... Uh, all of our UTEP athletics on Twitter and and you guys as well and and stay up to date on that. But yes, uh, I think, you know, the fan council really brought out a different, you know, avenue for me to communicate with others. Um, And, you know, I I miss it to a certain extent. Tell everybody first off, um, you know, are you a lifelong El Pasoan? Did you grow up following UTEP? How did that work for you prior to going into the council? Yeah, I've been uh, born and raised in El Paso. Um, I went to high school at Del Valle High School. Um, and, and got both of my, my bachelor's and master's degrees at UTEP. Um, and, you know, I grew up with my parents taking me to UTEP basketball games and UTEP football games, particularly the basketball games I remember the most. Um, and, you know, that's really sparked my interest in UTEP uh, athletics altogether. Uh, so, yes, I've, I've been a dedicated UTEP fan since. You're also one of the few that was, was given the three-year term. Most of the people on the fan council get either a one- or a two-year term, but somehow you won the lottery and lucked into that three-year term when they started things off, right? Yes, uh, it, that's exactly how it went. Uh, I was part of the first selection of the fan council, um, and they spread the terms, be it one-, two-, and three-year terms, um, and they literally drew it out of a hat, and you know I got lucky enough to be on the three years, so uh, I got a really good experience that most people didn't get on the council. Before you entered the council, just when you were applying and, and wanted to be a part of it, um, you probably came into this with very little expectations. W- would you say that three years afterwards, uh, now it's really kind of more of an eye opener when you started to see some of the inner workings of UTEP athletics? Yes, definitely. I think it. You know, you go in. Um, you read a lot of the social media and you get a lot of uh, ideas and misconceptions about 
um, you know, how athletics operates and all those things. Um, not to say that I'm an expert, of course, but um, I think, you know, you hear the other side of the story that you don't always get to hear uh, from Gen Center, from the coaches and other things. Um, and I think that definitely was an eye-opener for me, for sure. Oscar, refresh our memory. What's the age range of the people who are also in the fan council? And, like, are they all UTEP fans like you? Yes, I, I would say, you know, I think that was one of the – I don't remember the exact application questions, but they did ask about your background um, and your involvement with UTEP and in the past – um, I mean, there was a huge age range uh, when I was on the council. There were, you know, current UTEP students, 19 to 20, upwards of, you know, in their 70s, 80s. Um, so they did really, you know, on that initial council, really try to select a wide group of people uh, to make sure to get those different perspectives. And you could really hear those different perspectives during the meetings. I believe it. Now, how often were they meeting? Uh, so it was every quarter. Uh, we would meet once a quarter. Um, and it was about two hours in length. Um, so, you know, at the beginning, of course, it was in person. Um, and just like everything else, uh, we went virtual during uh, COVID time. And um, that that was pretty interesting. So it was via Zoom and all that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think my last meeting was the first one we had back um, in person. Uh, but, yes, it, it was a mix. Okay. Well, as far as the meetings themselves, uh, I, I know Jim, this was kind of his – brainchild along with other members of the university and I'm sure for the most part the goal is to give fans uh, that are in the council a little bit better understanding of how things operate within the inner workings of the athletic department and you said it best you know social media that's where a lot of people hear things and uh, they will often uh, start uh, forming opinions based on what they hear on Twitter or on Facebook, or other forms of social media. And it's not till you're in the council where you can actually see it from the university's perspective where sometimes your opinions might change. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it was really important. It, I, I kind of, it, it's a glorified uh, town hall meeting um, mm -hmm. is what it felt like. Um, and it was in, in the sense that, you know, he's trying to get feedback, but also giving reasons why uh, maybe, you know, why we as fans should think about things. And, and it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, change parking or I'll oh, change this. Um, and he would come back with, well, we can do that, but this is the effect of that. Right. So it was a, it was very dynamic in that sense where he would seek out and the group would seek out feedback from us. Um, and then they would give reasons why yes, why no, and you know, and and keep moving forward from there. Oh, that's interesting. It really is. Um, would it ever get heated during the fan council meetings, or for the most part, were people very uh, respectful uh, when things were going, even if it was a little bit more of a controversial topic? Yeah, I mean, I just I think just like anything else in a group setting, uh, you know, it takes a while to get the people going yeah. um, and get some feedback. Um, I will say it did a few times, uh, depending on the topics. Um, you know, I know conference realignment was one that was pretty interesting um, that people were very opinionated about. I'm sure. Uh, we talked about Title IX. Um, that was something else that was, you know, that took a lot of, of time to talk about. 
Um, we even, I don't remember exactly what the topic was, but talking about all, you know, all the universities that are also here in El Paso, like, oh yeah, well, why can't UTEP have, you know, statues like Tex- Texas Tech has um, on the side of the freeway? And you, that's what you see and you think this is a Texas Tech place, right? So a lot of those kind of topics would get people very opinionated. So yes, definitely. I think uh, we saw some, you know, very passionate fans, um, just as we know we have here at UTEP. Oscar, I can't even imagine what uh, conference realignment was like, because when we are, when we talk about it on the radio and we just get people calling in to talk about it or tweeting on social media at 600 ESPN El Paso, uh, it, it gets heated. So, you know, some fans believe that uh, it's easy to change conferences and we should be out of here already. We should be out of Conference USA and going someplace else. But unfortunately, uh, as you know, some have learned, if it was that easy, UTEP uh, would have done it a long time ago. And unfortunately, as it stands right now, uh, despite you know, reports that they've had opportunities in the past and didn't take advantage of it. UTEP is uh, definitely part of Conference USA as it stands now and as it'll be next year when uh, you know ha- more than half the league is gone and replaced by New Mexico State and, and others. Right. Yeah. And and I, if I learned anything during that process, he you know Jim and his team really did a, a good job of explaining. Um, what it would entail to do something like that, the difficulties, some of the mistakes other team or their other schools have made by doing re- conference realignment, right? So yes, it, it definitely was very eye-opening. So do you feel almost that in a sense, the best part about, well, I mean, one of the best parts about being in the fan council is the transparency that was given to you because, you know, if the university athletic department is being not just transparent, but kind of cluing you guys in and keep and, and giving you that that opportunity to understand their perspective and their point of view it definitely gives your outlook uh, a little different perspective based on what you might have had going into the council yeah it, it definitely did um i know that frequently uh we would talk about and jim would talk about that a lot of the things that we did in a group setting um, we don't want plastered all over Twitter and plastered all over the place because you misinterpret. It could be misinterpreted, right? I mean, they would share things like you know scheduling many years in advance that maybe isn't typical public knowledge, right? So there were you know not not everything, but certainly uh, there were several things that they would mention to us in confidence um, and seek the feedback and just so they know they're giving us little nuggets of information so we could come keep keep stay interested. Oscar, what about participation? I, I mean, I guess uh, in the best best case scenario, everybody would show up. But how many people actually show up versus, you know, how many uh, actually participate every time that you all meet? Um, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, just in a group setting, it, it's really hard to get everyone to gain the courage to stand up and, and speak what they're thinking. Uh, but I would say at least half would say something um, during the meetings. Um, and as far as attendance goes, we would have most everybody there. Um, there may be, you know, three or four out of the 20, 25 people that were missing. So it was really good. Um, and especially once it went virtual, um, we still had the same attendance. So it was still really good. But I could see that even if fans were on the council and uh, it was, a, you know, a, not a large group of fans, but enough, a select group, some of them probably didn't feel as, mu- as comfortable voicing their opinion during some of these meetings. Maybe they took it in, but didn't feel. And then others probably had no problem, um, you know, opening their mouths and, and, and kind of giving their thoughts on, on everything. Yes, it, it definitely was like that. I mean, there were the usual uh, people that would respond, give their input, try to get others 
um, to participate. Um, there were a couple of uh, current UTEP students at the time that were very vocal about those things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was really interesting to hear the perspective of the older participants as well that have been around a long time. Um, and they would talk about the good old days and things that they loved. And I certainly appreciated that because there were many things that I didn't know and experiences that they went through that I didn't know about. So it was a good dynamic. Would Jim Center pretty much attend all the quarterly meetings for the fan council? Uh, I would say it was about half. Um, he was definitely really involved towards the beginning. Um, John John Teicher really ran the reading the meetings for the most part um, towards the beginning before uh, we went virtual um, and during virtual time. Uh, yeah. He really uh, gave a lot of input and, and took certain topics on himself to present to us and to talk about. So yes, his his participation was really good. Uh, coaches and student athletes were they also part of some of these meetings? Um, not really student athletes, uh, but definitely they made it a point to introduce the new coaches that would come in or have the current coaches. Uh, Rodney Terry was around at the time. Uh, we had Joe Golding that came in. Um, all the new coaches that came in, basically, we got introduced to. Um, so that was nice to meet them, you know, in that kind of setting. I'm sure. And plus, you get to see, you know, again, the whole idea for the fan council to me is it's just a different perspective. You're learning more about how the university operates based on, you know, finding the behind the scenes stories out with what they do. And and I can imagine when it comes to scheduling, conference alignment, um, maybe ticket prices and other issues that things probably got a little bit more a uh, little bit more interesting than maybe some of the other topics would. Yeah, I mean there there was, you know, uh, agendas we would get before the meeting um and they would ex- expand on those topics. I mean the usual suspects were uh, those topics like budgeting, they would talk about facilities because the Sun Bowl renovation was still really underway at that time. Uh, scheduling was really nice. You'd get to see the team that you didn't really expect to see on the schedule many years in advance. So that was, you know, really cool. Uh, compliance was a big thing that they talked about on a consistent basis that I didn't really know about. Um, and especially as we got into the transfer portal um, and talking to those about those other things that, you know, those there were so many topics that really, you know, piqued my interest during that time. Did you get into NIL or did that pretty much happen after you probably uh, finished your term? It, it was a little we got introduced to it a little bit. There was a lot of uncertainties as to how it was going to impact the university. And that's really all we talked about. A lot of people had questions, but um, a lot of people had opinions about whether they felt yeah. Um, that, you know, um, students should even get compensated in the first place. But um, there was a lot of opinions on that, but there wasn't actually anything concrete at well, the time. There's still uh, uncertainty. So yeah. don't worry, nothing, nothing's changed in the last couple of years. That's for sure. All right, Oscar, get comfortable. We'll come back more with Oscar Lloyd Jr. If you've got any questions about his experience, his three years with the Utah Fan Council, you can call us up, 505-6009 here on Sports Talk, 505-6009. Or tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. More in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie One, standing by with this traffic update. 22 past the hour, we're back with uh, Oscar Lloyd Jr. Spent three years on the Utah Fan Council. And he lived to talk about it, folks. He did. He survived. Congratulations. And uh, appreciate you being here in our Lubingo studios to share some of the insights that uh, that you learned uh, from the, the three years. If there was one biggest takeaway for you from when you started till now, following the, uh, you know, the, the three years on the council, what would that be? I, I think that 
it's it's really and it's easy to say, but it's really fans attending games and getting out there and supporting the university. Um, that's the only way uh, that we can invest in all of these things um, into facilities into all of that. I mean that it, it really didn't occur to me until I was in the fan council how much it affects other things when you know we as fans don't go out and support. Um, so that definitely was a big thing for me um, that was really important uh, to try to, you know, for myself to know that, I, you know, something as simple as a ticket that you buy can make a big difference. So that being said, when you're not winning and you don't get the crowds, it, it's difficult. And sometimes fans, fans' attitudes are, look, if they're not winning, I don't want to come. That's just the reaction of what we've seen over the last, you know, however many years with football and basketball. But the truth is, if you don't come, then it does have a ripple effect. And it's difficult for the university to accomplish a lot of things when they're not making their money um, on attendance. So I, I get the fans' reaction of not supporting a losing product, but the university's attitude is also the same where, listen, it's hard for us to do the kind of things you want if we're not generating any money for games. Right. And, you know, it, like I was mentioning right now, it is a, it is a chicken in the egg kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when the university doesn't have fan support or doesn't have as much attendance as they expect, they have to look for different ways to generate that revenue. Right. Whether it's um, going with lower ticket prices, whether it's going with higher ticket prices, trying to get more revenue that way, uh, trying to schedule more money games. Um, there were definitely they have to adapt uh, exactly. in that way. Um, and budget for it and, and work a little bit harder just to try to, to get to the same place. Oscar, do you remember a, an instance where maybe there was a, somebody who had a very passionate thing that they wanted to get off their chest or, or maybe it's a desire from them uh, that they were pre- uh, preaching at this found fan council meeting and then the you know somebody from the UTEP brass came back and said, well, actually you can't do it this way because of X, Y, and Z. Is there any instance that you can remember for something like that happening? Because it seems like that happened a bunch of different times. I mean, the only thing I could really think about is is the football schedule itself um, and how less uh, flexible it is than basketball um, and how how far in advance some of these games are scheduled out. Right. And and, you know, a lot of people would talk about, yeah, let's let's schedule more money games next year or even the year after. Um, and it doesn't work that way, especially now with, you know, the, the conference realignment and all those things. Uh, it made it really hard. Uh, to schedule these money games out, right? Because, yeah, it, it brings a lot of revenue to the university, but you also have to get them to agree to do it and do it, you know, quickly. Um, so that would always ga- gain a lot of uh, traction with, with the fan council, um, a lot of those topics. Um, ticketing was a real big one um, that we talked about, especially about increase in ticket prices. Um, and, and, you know, that happened, I think, at some point last year uh, towards my, my, my end of the term on the fan council. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were upset that they're increasing ticket prices. And, and Jim would explain, it's like, well, it, it, yeah, we're increasing the ticket prices, but we're still making more money uh, because we're bringing in more revenue because we're charging more per ticket. It's so right. interesting, isn't it, when you think about having, let's say, three or 4000 versus eight or nine, but being able to make more money off of three or 4,000 fans than you would more than double the attendance. 
It was really interesting, yeah, because I know when you know when attendance was down, my your mind automatically goes to well, make cheaper, make cheaper tickets, and of course that makes sense for important games, um, or if you know the certain marketing efforts, but it doesn't make sense in every situation, right? So that was something I really learned, um, and I I certainly appreciated and understood it. Where do you fall on the ticket dilemma for pricing? Do you do you still say, hey, you know what, you got to make the most money possible, and even if the arena's, you know two-thirds empty, you're making more money than you would if you, let's say, had $10 tickets everywhere and you put seven, you know, seven, eight thousand in the in the house, but ultimately the end result is you're just not making as much, you're not making as much money when it's all said and done. I mean, I, I personally think it depends on the situation. Of course, as a fan, of course, I want to pay less per ticket. Um, that's what I would like. Uh, but I understand the perspective of the other side um, that the university, of course, needs to make money. And that's not the only motivation for increasing ticket prices and things like that or the decision they make uh, to do cheaper or more expensive tickets. So I see both perspectives. Um, I would lean, of course, um, to doing a little more um, you know, giveaways and marketing efforts, things that are a little more cost-intensive for the, for the university. Uh, but I could certainly understand the other side. Almost like the, uh, the the Chihuahuas or locomotive approach, where there's a lot of promotional items, a lot of free this for the first X number of fans, and that way, uh, whether it's T-shirts or bobbleheads or any other promotional hats, any other promotional item out there, you like to see uh, you know, there's a little bit more of that too. Right. Yes, definitely. Um, and you know, a lot of people would voc- uh, vocalize their you know wanting. Yeah, you, these are the type of giveaways you should do. And and you know, there were certain times where Jim would bring out the whiteboard. He's like, "Give me all your ideas. Let's write them down." I love that. Um, and it was great, especially at, towards the beginning um, when it was more of a town hall. Because he when he first started, he was doing a lot of that. If you all remember, yes. Um, and this was an extension of that. And he talked a lot about the topics and things that they would talk about during their town halls and also pose us the same questions and see how we could refine it down a little bit more as a fan in this fan council now that your term is over did you feel like you had a chance to make a legitimate difference into the decision making uh, that the university has when they put this whole thing together in the first place i would say yes i mean in a in that kind of environment, you you want to group think, um, and maybe the the changes that we suggest and all these things are not obvious. Uh, but I think any time that we can give ideas to you know the the UTEP uh, management um, is is I think there's a lot of value to that. So me personally, I did uh, feel like I provided some value um, and I participated for that reason because I felt that you know I, I needed to give feedback. Besides giveaways, what are some realistic accomplishments that other fans, now now like you right now, Oscar, can hope that the current fan council accomplishes within the next couple of years? Um, I mean, fan experience. I mean, giving really good feedback on how the fan experience can get better. Um, that was, you know, we talked at good extent about the fan experience, of course, because they wanted us that went to games and they would give, we'd have, you know, our meetings right after a big football game or something like that. Um, and people would throw out, you know, as big of an issue or as little of an issue as you could think of. Uh, but nonetheless, they listened to all of those things. Um, and they would talk about, yes, we're working on parking for this. We're, we're doing this. Um, so they would give us responses. So my, my hope was, is that the current fan council would continue to speak up 
um, and not really just, you know, they, they put a lot of time and investment into this found council from what I could tell. Um, they would, you know, spend a lot of time on these presentations. So um, the least we can do um, on being on this found council is give our honest feedback yeah. on what they think. We'll wrap it up with Oscar next. Bottom of the hour. Let's send it back to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. bonus member because he was one of the lucky few that uh, didn't just get one or two year terms he got the three-year term which by the way just so you know they don't do three-year terms anymore right oscar you did something that that they the UTIP doesn't even have anymore uh no they don't i i got really lucky um any of the fan councils that they expressed that they were only going to be a, a year term after that um so i i was definitely very lucky to have that opportunity you got the covid year yeah yeah it, it was it was definitely interesting uh doing it on zoom um, and yes, it wasn't as personable or anything like that, but I still enjoyed it anyway. It would suck if you had one year and your one year was the COVID year. That would be awful if you know that you you never got to meet face to face. You only met virtual. Uh, that would just be that that would that wouldn't be any fun. No, not at all. Um, and and luckily, I got a good balance of both, so I'll take it. That sounds like that sounds like a winner. It, it really does. All right. Um, did tailgating ever come into play? Tailgating definitely did. Um, there were a lot of impassioned fans, especially the RV uh, parkers and where they moved them and all these other things. Um, so, yes, I, I think, you know, they, they talked a good extent about tailgating, about, you know, needing more trash cans. And, I mean, you, you could think of all the ideas they came up with. But, uh, yes, it, it was definitely a, an interesting topic. What about the student side of things? Did they uh, talk a little bit about tailgating or even just other things as far as what they want to see? Yeah, like how to get them involved in more games. I mean, that's the one thing I would think if, the, if you're the students in the uh, fan count. So how about getting the students more involved? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we ha- we didn't have too many students on the council. It was maybe one or two at the time. Uh, but the ones that were were very vocal um, and did want to give a lot of opportunities to you know students, whether it's you know giveaways and all these other ideas. Yeah. Um, trying to get a little more understanding of how the current um, state of our you know student base is. A lot of them are not you know located on campus and and really trying to think through those ideas. But yes, I mean it, it's something very difficult from what I could tell. It's it's really hard to get them involved. Students got hooked up, too. If you look at the shirts that they've been giving out over the last four or five years, students get taken care of at these games. That's what amazes me. It's not exactly like the students get crapped on. A, it's a free ticket. B, they get a ton of swag. And you would figure that for all the stuff they get, they would be coming out in force. And it's exactly the opposite. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like getting uh, fans, just, you know, uh, us as fans out for games when they're not winning. Um, I think it's a lot the same for the students. And it's especially hard, um, especially when they're not on semester um, or in school, trying to get them, you know, to come. I, I, I could see how it would be very difficult. Oscar, with something that didn't go through during your time, what is one of those things that you wish did go through uh, and you guys pushed through as a fan council? That's a good question. That's um, a great question. Honestly, I'm not really – I mean, I wish that they would have done a few more of those, you know, maybe special giveaways that they had talked about uh, during that time. Um, I, I can't really – you, you stumped me on that one. I can't think of too many things because it's – you know, it wasn't like a normal board meeting where it's like, yeah, you throw out all these things and, and you approve it or don't approve it. 
Um, it was, you know, kind of a group think session where um, you would come up with ideas and hope that, you know, they would incorporate some of those things. So after your three years in the fan council, would you want to be Jim Center for a day? No. <laughs> I figured you would say that. I really did. Uh, it's true. And, and, and you probably have a much better understanding now as what you did before. But do you feel almost more impassioned as a minor fan now than you did before you started? I would say yes. Um, it, it was, you know, a very good experience and something that I know they put a lot of effort to. And, you know, Jim made it a point to talk to each of us every morning or every every time we would meet um, and say hi, at least. Um, so that kind of interaction with me personally as a fan really got me involved. Um, and I got really excited about meeting all the coaches and, you know, some of those opportunities you don't tend to get on a day to day basis. Right. So, yes, I would say, you know, it, it really motivated me to take a lot more interest in, in our athletics. And I would think the behind the scenes uh, information you were given is also pretty good because you do get a better understanding about the inner workings of an athletic department. Yeah, it was it was really nice to hear those those things that not everyone gets to hear or see those things that not everyone gets to see. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we didn't get all the juicy stuff like why this coach was fired and all that. Of course, they're not going to talk about that. Uh, but they definitely did talk about what they're looking for in a coach and what, you know, kind of big picture thought process on how to do things. Um, so, yes, definitely some of those um, little nuggets of information they would give us. I, I certainly appreciated being part of that. Great job uh, giving us uh, some time today. We appreciate you being here. And uh, my only uh, request is get back on Twitter. Be a little more active. I know you got a day job, but you were good on Twitter when you are on the fan council. So get back into it, and uh, let's get those tweets going again. You got it, Steve. I'll definitely do that. All right, thank you. He's Oscar Lloyd Jr., folks. Follow him on Twitter at OscarJr915, and uh, we'll hold him to that promise. Okay, we'll come back with more. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Continue here on Sports Talk. As I mentioned, it's that time. Yep. Sure is. Time for Adrian's movie review. I don't know what you watched after watching the Rocky extravaganzas last week. Rocky's four and five. What uh, what movie did you get a chance to uh, to enjoy this weekend? Steve, I've been trying to go by the list. Uh, the list told me the next movie is Full Metal Jacket. Oh, a heavy one. Heavy one, definitely. Uh, I, I've been watching some stinkers right before the Rocky series. Uh, now I'm on a nice little good streak. Um, I, I like this. 1987, this is a war drama, although I'd, I'd throw a little comedy in this. It's, it's got some dark humor to this. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> some real dark humor yeah. if, you, if you really want to go that way. But this one's on Netflix, so anybody who's subscribed to Netflix can watch it. Very accessible, which I loved right away, right off the bat. Um, it starts off with uh, with recruits out in Paris Island, and they're getting ready to become Marines. This is uh, kind of around the Vietnam type of, you know, Time, uh, time frame and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you get three different characters that you're hyper-focused on. One is Sergeant Hartman, who uh, non-stop cussing. Uh, the next one is Lawrence. He's hilarious. He's the overweight guy who everybody pokes fun at. And then you also have uh, uh, Private Davis, who that, that's kind of your uh, protagonist in this whole film. So it's got moments of laughter, you know, like the time they're joking and kidding with Lawrence and just making fun of him and kind of poking fun at, at his weight and all the different issues that he gets in fact at some points uh throughout their recruiting process and in their uh, i guess training process they actually get penalized as recruits 
for the times that Lawrence me- uh, messes up. So mm-hmm. it, you get some funny parts like that, but then you also get the downer points. Like, uh, n- you know, spoiler alert, hey, these are reviews right here. When Lawrence kills uh, the sergeant. Drill and, sergeant. Yes. That's right. Drill sergeant. Arlie Ermey. Yep. Oh. And then kills himself. So yeah. it, it's a it's a pretty dark uh, dark scene. But then fast forward, he, they go out to Vietnam. Um, this is where Davis teams up and, and is almost like a war journalist, like a war. Fo- it works with a war photographer. So it starts to get real intense. And then it goes to a point where they're they're really they're going after the sniper and they're trying to find out who the sniper really is. So it all all boils up to a big point at the end. They kill that sniper, to which they find out is a teenager. Oh man, it it just you know it spins all different places. It has a lot of different twists. If you like war films, this is one that you absolutely have to watch, especially from the Vietnam periods. Uh, this one was a very good one, Steve. I got it. I got to admit, um, whoever put this one on my list, very happy that they did it. Uh, less than two hours, so it was easy to watch. I'm gonna give this one eight out of ten bananas. Good for you, Full Metal Jacket. One of the best movies of that time period, anyway. And some will say that between Full Metal Jacket and Platoon, you could see the two. Uh, the best war movies uh, around uh, in those 80s. Yeah, and, and how different types of movies those really uh, sure. those really are. And by the way, Stanley Kubrick, another film that I got a chance to watch from him, uh, I, I love The Shining. That's probably my favorite still from him. But this one is definitely number two. Good. I'm happy you enjoyed it. Full Metal Jacket. This uh, Today's uh, movie review from uh, Adrian Broaddus. All right, Sarah Tui is going to join us. Coming up from uh, UTEP to recap, the uh, minor... Fever Fiesta, Orange Fever Fiesta, OFF, which happened over the weekend out there uh, downtown, the Paso del Norte Hotel. So Sarah will be by to talk about that. Uh, And then we're going to meet one of UTEP's newest uh, signees. They had two over the weekend, Adrian. Not just one, but two uh, commit to Joe Golding. Yeah, and we'll be uh, joined by Shamar Givance, which we're really excited about. That's the first name. That's the name that we we had talked about all week long last week. Uh, We find out that he commits with an artist rendering drawing of himself, which I would love to know the story behind this one. That was a high-quality, high-definition artwork that was done for Shamar Givance. And then we also also got Otis Frazier the nice. third uh, from George Mason, a combo guard forward. He'll be joining us on Sports Talk tomorrow. That's going to be awesome. So Otis Frazier tomorrow, Shamar Gavance today. How about Ivan Melendez, the Big 12 player of the week? He is on a home run rampage right now and is trying to uh, challenge the record books, which would be phenomenal if he can make that happen. So, yeah, it's going to be a good week for us uh, here on Sports Talk, that's for sure. Let's go to Rob. I got a feeling he. we only have about a 90 seconds for Rob, who is in Vegas. He watched the upset in person and saw Canelo get beat. What was it like for you, Rob? Oh, it was amazing atmosphere. Like, I couldn't. I, yeah, like, you can't, you can't see that on TV, but it, it was the best atmosphere and uh, – Towards the end, you know, you could kind of hear a pin drop in there. It was so quiet because of how nervous everybody got as it got closer to the the cards. But overall, it was a good event. I just, uh, as far as the fight, I, I think Canelo found the weight class, you know, that's too much for him. Yep, I agree. I think uh, did the fans, think, uh, by the way, did the fans in the arena know he had lost? I mean, did, or, or was there controversy afterwards? No, I, don't, I didn't hear one person... Uh, complain about the scorecards or the or the the results. Uh, nobody, and it was all Canelo fans. I think they they knew, you know what happened. But um, yep. yeah, but not just the size. I, I think he lost the, uh, you know, 
it was he had an issue with with conditioning. He wasn't very active. I think uh, the last ten fights, he's found in love with his power, and you know that's all he's looking for. And if he doesn't, you know, get you out of there, it's you know you're, he, he's losing because he's not he's not very active. And that that guy hits the jab all night. I think uh, I think Canelo needs to move down to sixty eight, uh, get refocused, take some time off. He's fought five times in eighteen months, and and he'll be all right. Rob, do me a favor because I'm out of time this hour, but call me back later in the week and give me some more thoughts about how the Vegas trip went for you, okay? All right, all right. I'll, I'll give you a call back this week. We appreciate it. All right, good job, Rob, who was there watching Canelo lose uh, in Vegas. Hey, when we come back, uh, Sarah's here from UTEP Athletics. Uh, she's going to give us a recap about how Saturday night went and what's next for the Miners. That's all coming up right here. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of our final hour here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Sarah Tui is back with us from UTEP. She is the assistant athletic director in charge of the annual fund. And uh, for Sarah, it was her first Orange Fever Fiesta Saturday night. Welcome back. How was the event for you? Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, the event was awesome. Uh, you know, our first time having Orange Fever Fiesta in person for many, many years. I think it was over 1,200 days since we'd all gathered in person. So um, to have over 450 people there um, and all gathering around a great cause supporting uh, student-athlete scholarships, I mean, it, it was uh, awesome for us to see and to put together. I can tell. And it seemed like everybody there had a great time. Uh, John Durham-Boss was terrific. The auctioneer was great. There's some really, really cool items that were going to be, uh, that were auctioned off Saturday night. Some really one-of-a-kind stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we like to put in UTEP experiences, but we do have a lot of um, generous uh, people who, you know, give us different vacation packages, tickets to Cowboys games, Raiders games. Mm. Um, so really kind of the whole gamut is always at Orange Fever Fiesta. I could tell because some of those things are pretty uh, hotly bid on and people are having a good time with that for sure. At the same time, I look at some of the other things that were donated. Bob Stoll donated a bunch of items for the auction on Saturday. And since Bob was uh, the former athletic director prior to Jim Center arriving, I thought that was really cool that he was able to give some stuff back to the university. Yeah. And, we have, you know, a lot of people, you know, former administrators, former student athletes, you know, Drina Mendoza, Roger Sloan, who kind of donate their time and on mm-hmm. um, those trips and things. So it's just amazing to see that the support goes beyond the people who are here on campus right now. I agree with that. Um, when you look at the end of the event, um, there was an award given to John uh, by Jim Center. And that was something that I think caught people by surprise, including uh, John himself. So what exactly uh, was John Durham-Boss the first ever recipient of? Yeah, so we created a brand new um, award that goes at the Golden Pick Awards, which for those who don't know what that is, it is kind of our end-of-year celebration for student-athletes. So coaches vote on MVPs, student-athletes vote on different um, you know, player of the year and, and awards like that. Um, but this award is going to go to a former student athlete that has achieved something um, once they've graduated from UTEP. So whether that's in the community, in their profession, um, and some just someone who makes us proud. And so we thought, what a better person to be not only the namesake, but the first recipient of a Lifetime Achievement Award has to be John Dornboss. That's awesome. That is awesome. So he gets a golden pick. So what is that? It's an actual pick uh, that that's that's uh, like gold plated. 
Well, it's funny because you think about, and when we were thinking about what do you get a guy who probably has everything, right? That's right. He's probably got a frame jersey. He's probably Mm -hmm. got everything UTEP. Um, And so what do you get someone who doesn't want a plaque sitting on their desk? And so we thought up um, of an actual pickaxe. And so if you ever get to see it, it is an actual pickaxe. I mean, sure, you could actually do gardening or some damage with it. He was joking he couldn't get it through TSA on the the way back. Especially if he didn't check in his bag. Right. That's exactly. Yeah, but and then it's it's beautiful. It's got the engraved, uh, you know, John Dorenboss Lifetime Achievement Award. But that's it's super cool. It's gonna sit on someone's desk or in your trophy case or something, and it's a conversation starter, and it's gonna have people talking about UTEP um, outside of El Paso. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I thought. Listen, I thought John was great. Uh, the the whole night was was a lot of fun. It was it moved fast, um, and everybody that was there just had a good time. When you know people leave feeling like they've they've just had a great two or three hours uh that's uh, on a saturday night that's when you know you knocked it out of the park yeah absolutely i mean i think there wasn't really anyone who walked out without a smile on their face feeling good about utep feeling good about you know the show and what we put together so we you know we were really pleased with with the event that we were able to put on sarah how much time and planning went into that Oh, my gosh. We started talking about Orange Fever. I started in September for reference, and I think my second day they had already put Orange Fever Fiesta and starting to find a date on that. So it's one of those things where it takes a year to plan. And we already, you know, we took yesterday off, and then we got in the office today, and the minor athletic club started thinking, well, what do we do next year? Who do we get? What, how do you top this? How do you, you know, how do you follow up a John Dorenboss magic show, a motivational speaker? Um, so we're already working. The wheels are turning <laughs> for next year. By the way, he's a Amazing. And when I was told Saturday night that John gets seventy grand per gig, I first I thought seventy thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. And then when you finish the event, you're like, he's worth every penny. You feel like first off, the show Saturday was his life story. So for people that don't know, John took the magic in and incorporated that into essentially his life story, which by the way, it's gonna be a Broadway show. I'm telling you right now, we asked him about that on Thursday's interview when he joined us on Zoom. There is no doubt about it that that show is going to Broadway in New York. He will play himself on that one-man show, and he's going to kill it because people are going to just watch it and be blown away. So to me, we watched Saturday night what will probably be the makings of that Broadway show here in El Paso. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, his book is out. It's Life is Magic. It's definitely worth a read. All of us in the athletic department have a copy to read. Um, and it, it's got some good stuff. And it, it's really cool to see how much UTEP impacted him and how much it wasn't like he, he accidentally got here, that UTEP was where he wanted to be. And then when we gave him the opportunity to come back, he jumped on it and uh, and, and donated the $70,000 time for, uh, for, you know, for a good cause. Right on. Did you feel, by the way, was it, did it take months to get jobs? On, uh, here for this or was it something that happened closer to the event you know it, it kind of all came to fruition maybe about a week or two before we had um posted what our date was going to be so originally we planned on doing may 21st and then all of a sudden it, it all fell into place and, and we got john and he said hey this day works better and we're like hey we will move mountains for you to get you to come back and to, to be part of this and by the way you're probably never going to top what happened on Saturday, but that doesn't really matter because as long as you have something that fans are excited about and somebody has a keynote that you know will will get the crowd uh, going a little bit and get them excited, 
That's all that matters. That's all you need. And that's the beauty of what an event like this is all about. You know, we we put on a sports expo for many, many years at the radio station. And we brought in Pete Rose. We brought in Tony Dorsett. We brought in Tim Hardaway. Um, and, and, and the names were on and on and on. And you want to know something? For us, it was the same thing. It was always like, wow, what do we do the next year? And we always try to find somebody that, that would give you that wow effect that the fans would get excited about, want to go see. And as long as you do that and make everybody happy by the time they leave, you know you've, uh, you've knocked it out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. We're brainstorming on on what to do next. We know that it's uh, never going to you know mirror what we did this year, but like you said, it's awesome to think about that Orange Fever Fiesta is going to look different every year. And there this year go. it was magic. Next year it could be music. Who knows? That would be cool. Do you have you a musical or something like that? Who knows? Is right. Sarah Tui with us from UTEP Athletics as we continue here on Sports Talk. So what's next? You've now pulled this off. The event is in the books. You're worrying about 2023, but before you get to 2023, you still have right now a few weeks left of the athletic season before you go into the summer break. So uh, what's everybody at UTEP thinking about right now in the Minor Athletic Club? Yeah, so now we're turning the page to what we call Paydirt's Rally. So um, we've done it a couple years in the past. It kind of came to fruition because of COVID and not being able to do Orange Fever Fiesta in person. Um, and Paydirt's Rally is essentially a skills challenge that you can uh, make donations based off of certain metrics and, and cool things that we can showcase our student athletes so we don't quite have all the details finalized but it's something that'll be in uh, early mid-August and it'll be with all of our sports all of our student athletes we kind of like to figure out what they're really good at um, whether it's in their sport or something outside of their sport um, and then bring that to the fans and the donors and raise some money off of it. So you're, is, is it almost like a UTEP Olympics featuring student athletes and you pledge per a certain uh, type of uh, I don't know, uh, for certain events and accomplishments, what do you do? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great way to look at it. You know, so we've got some student athletes who, uh, you know, really are proud of their uh, effort in the weight room. So we do kind of like a one rep max or, you know, the, in the NFL combine kind of things. And, hey, how many reps can they get in the, mm-hmm. the bench? Um, how many three-pointers can, you know, our men's and women's basketball players make? Um, and, and just fun things like that. So you stick with the athletes that are in their sport. You're not going to have somebody on the rifle team uh, shoot threes, just like you're not going to have somebody on the basketball team try to see how many targets they hit. Well, I was going to say, then, no, we don't, but that might be fun. <laughs> I think so, too. And, Adrian, I don't know about you, but when you get student-athletes out of their comfort zone doing things that other athletes do – that might be actually uh, a really cool concept. Yeah, I was actually at a nonprofit event for the uh, Quentin Dems Foundation recently, and one of the UTEP golfers joined the Top Golf event, kind of like an NIL deal, and she played people for like a closest to the pin challenge. Uh, so she was going up against golfers left. People like that stuff where they're outside their comfort zone. They're going up against list, you know, uh, people who are just there as fans. Uh, people like that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. So when is uh, Pater's Rally going to be? It's going to be probably the second week of August. Okay. So right before the season starts, really. Yeah, yeah it really is a great you know, kind of kickoff to you know, the new school year and getting you know, soccer, volleyball, football all kind of rolling. Excellent. And you also have something that's going to be in conjunction down the road with New Mexico State. 
Yeah, so we're working out the details with this, but our partners at uh, New Mexico State, you know, with the uh, I-10 rivalry, we thought, well, how do we hype up this game even more? I mean, they've got our new football staff. We've, you know, coming off of a bowl appearance. Um, I think the interest in football for both schools is at an all-time high, and so mm-hmm. we thought, how do we maximize that with engagement um, and then also kind of raising some money for um, both of the programs? And so we are going to launch um, a giving challenge between the two schools that'll be um, right after our first game and then lead right up to the September 10th um, matchup here at the Sun Bowl. Now that's going to be fun. So that, that gives fans from both schools a chance to get involved and, and have some fun with it. Yeah, and then like and with the, you know New Mexico State coming into Conference USA, we can see this thing growing um, outside of football too, right? We can do this with hoops. We can do this with soccer, volleyball. Um, there's a lot of history between the two schools and a lot of people who bounce from school to school too on the coaching side. So um, we're excited with uh, how that's all going to unfold. It sounds like you uh you've got a busy rest of 2022 right i mean this this was the big event but it's not just a one and done thing for you there's it it constantly uh just you have to reinvent the wheel and figure out what else you can do uh the other 11 months out of the year yeah we never really rest um but it's it's good uh we like to plan different things that get different people interested, right? We know some people love the gala, you know, the Orange Fever Fiesta, and that's live auction is where, you know, they feel comfortable. And then other people like the more student-athlete engagement and that side of it. And some people like specific sports. So we really just try to stay on our toes and on offer um, some unique ways to get people involved. That's excellent. Um, and if people want to – now, here's another question. If people want to get involved with the Minor Athletic Club, what do you recommend? Um, I mean, I, I would say first, you know, minorathleticclub.com, visit the website. Um, you know, you can email us, call us, um, whatever, you know, we're always open to new things, new ideas, new suggestions. Um, and so, you know, if you get in contact with us um, and also on the website is definitely a place where you can go ahead and you can make a gift and you can support. And that's, you know, we always talk, you know, I've been on here before and, and it doesn't take $5 million to be a supporter. It takes $5. You know what else is cool, though? You can give $5 to every sport. And that's also the nice thing about it, too, is that now you have it where it's earmarked for certain athletes and certain sports. So in the old days, it would all go to the general fund, and then you, you didn't know if it would ever go to the right uh, group or right team. Now you have a chance to pretty much donate to any specific type of athletic competition you want to. Yeah, and, and that's you know the beauty of it. You know We like to meet the, you know, the donors and the fans where they're at. And if you love women's soccer, then I want you to support the women's soccer team, you know, and if you love the idea of giving someone a scholarship, then the Minor Athletic Club um, scholarship fund is where you know you should direct your money. But um, it, there's so many different ways. If you love strength and conditioning, we got a strength and conditioning fund. You That's know, awesome. or sports medicine. So even if you're not a former student athlete, but you were working with our programs in some regard, there's a place for you to make a gift and make an impact. Good stuff, Sarah. It's great to see you again. Thanks for spending time and congratulations on the great event on Saturday. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet, Sarah. Too folks from UTEP Athletics. We'll come back with more including UTEP's newest basketball player, Shamarga Vance, is coming up right after Charlie won with traffic. 21 passed as Sports Talk continues. As promised, an opportunity to meet uh, one of the newest UTEP miners. He's former Evansville point guard who now will be uh, in the backcourt for the miners uh, coming up here this 2022-23 season. He is uh, Shamar Givens. And Shamar, welcome to the program. And uh, most important, welcome to El Paso. How you doing? Appreciate it, man. I'm doing good. How about yourself? 
Oh, we're good. We're, we're good now that you committed, Shamar. I'll be honest with you. I was excited. And when, and by the way, uh, congratulations on the artwork. That was one of the more elaborate pieces I have seen in terms of uh, announcing your commitment to UTEP. So first and foremost, did they get the drawing right? And how many edits did you have to send back before it was done perfectly? <laughs> uh, pretty much. It was pretty Cool. I had somebody do it for me prior, so I just asked if they could uh, fix it up, touch up the background and the jersey, so it was pretty much easy to So shout out to uh, UTEP uh, edit office. Nice. Well, I liked it, man. I thought it was really, really cool. So first and foremost, uh, everybody has to uh, you know, make the commitment announcement in their way, so I thought that was, uh, that was great. It happened on Saturday when you made it official. Sure. And uh, more yeah. than you know, more than anything, you were here on a visit prior to committing to UTEP. How'd the visit go? Yeah, it went pretty good. I like the city; amazing city. I just felt like it was a good place. I've been there prior for Christmas, so I just uh, was really familiar around El Paso. So I really liked it, and it just felt like home for me. So that's what made me commit there. Did you come in with um, Juwan on one of his trips back home? Yeah, yes, sir. I went home with Christmas for him. Um, because I was having some troubles going back home, so I just felt that it would be good to go back home to El Paso with him. Oh, that sounds like fun. Just out of curiosity, what was a Christmas like with the Newton fam- with the Newton family? That would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely family to me. Uh, I've been, um, knew about them since I first got here, so they've been and treated me like a son since I've been here, so uh, it's been amazing. They're really family, so shout out to the Newtons. Terrific. Uh, Shamar Givens with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, you have been uh, kind of the glue that keeps that team together the last couple of years. I know for you, uh, the hardest part has got to be not winning enough ball games. I mean, everybody wants yeah. to go. They want to win. They want to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and as great as personal stats and numbers are, how difficult has it been, especially this past season, having to go through uh, what was probably a, a pretty tough year for you with Evansville? Um, I mean, it was pretty much uh, a process for me. Um, I had to work really hard, even though I didn't want the results that I had. It was definitely a testament for me um, just to be able to, you know, build character and just uh, fight with these guys. Um, even though we didn't have the much results that we wanted, these guys here fighted. So I really appreciate it for that, and it definitely helped me grow as a player. Shamar, it's Adrian back here. Uh, there's There are players who are on this current UTEP men's basketball roster with yeah. experience, but then there's you yeah. who come in. You come in with 118 games played. You're also somebody yeah. who scored 1,000 points at Evansville. I think you take yeah. experience to the next level when you come here at UTEP. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, just being able to play in a good league that like the NBC is uh, great. Um, I mean, I started – couple games as freshman and sophomore, so experience is definitely a good thing I have coming into UTEP. You've also been really consistent in your last two seasons, whether it's points, uh, assists, uh, rebounds, even shooting. You tell me, what was the key for you to make that jump from your sophomore season to your junior season when you really started to see your uh, points per game total uh, blow up? Um, yeah, so the sophomore year, we had a good player, which was considered the best player we had at the time, KJ, and I was playing backup for him. And I knew um, as to be a successful team, I would have to set my role. And I knew um, uh, Coach McCarty wanted me to be a facilitator and 
being able to win. So as you know, we beat the number one team, Kentucky, and I was able to uh, play that role. But I knew the next year when she was gone, I was going to have to step in and take on a bigger role, which is me being a scorer. And I knew I was ready for it just by, you know, um, stepping all my stuff and putting the work in. So that's why I was able to jump from a far rate from my sophomore year to junior. All right, so it sounds to me like you, you put a ton of work in in the gym and everything else, and, and you really saw it pay off for you, which is yes, sir. you know yes, sir. The, the most important thing. In fact, I noticed that right after your junior season, most improved team honoree, you were also uh, all Missouri Valley second team, and um, you, you led the league in steals per game. You had a, you had a really big, uh, you know, big growth, and that's what it's, yeah. what it's, what it's probably all about. And what's interesting yeah. to me is this. You're born in Toronto. You play your AAU ball in Toronto, but then yeah. you go to uh, Washington, uh, Pennsylvania, and you play for First Love Christian Academy. So let's yeah. let's back it up for a second here. Now, what was it like for you growing up in Toronto? Was basketball your first love? Did you play hockey? Did you play other sports? What did you play as a kid? Uh, as a kid, I grew up playing soccer up to middle school, and then I stopped. So in sixth grade, my parents was saying I had to choose one, um, just follow my dreams, and I well, like it was basketball, so I played soccer and basketball up to the sixth grade, and then went from there, and then uh, got accepted to first love in my um, sophomore year in high school, and was able just to push from there and keep working. Was it tough for you to go and leave your family in high school to really pursue your dream of uh, not just playing, uh, you know, playing prep ball, but have an opportunity yeah. to then go up and 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 get a college scholarship at Evansville? Yeah, yes, sir. I was 16, the age I left, so it was definitely difficult leaving my family, but I knew it was best for me. Just um, the culture in America is way better than uh, – the basketball culture in America is way better than the Canadians, so I knew if it was um, something that I really wanted to pursue, I would have to make the sacrifices. And here I am thinking that in Toronto it's all Raptors all the time. Yeah, 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 it is, yeah. Especially with the new championship that they just won a couple years back. Yep. Exactly. But despite all of that, right, despite the success of the the team in Toronto and what the Raptors have done, you're saying that youth basketball is not nearly what it is in Toronto like it is in the States. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of like a uh, more of a popular thing here. I mean, it's, it's definitely developing. I mean, we have guys who are setting the trend, such as RJ Bear, Andrew Wiggins, who set the tone, but like my age growing up, it was literally a developing process, but now it's um, getting a little better of competing with the American culture as prep schools and a bunch of stuff like that. By the time I was going to school, it wasn't so as popular. As you're growing up, are you idolizing guys like Vince Carter and stuff like that, or who, who's your idol growing up in Toronto? Um, I'll definitely stay Steve Nash, even though he didn't play for the Raptors. I just love the fact that he was Canadian and um, the style of the game, just like facilitate. I really um, model myself after that, and I appreciate him for being that figure for us. Shamar, fast-forwarding over to the pandemic, I know things were a lot different in Canada than they were here in uh, in the U.S. How were how were yeah. the different, I guess, travel restrictions? I mean, just going yeah. back home to see your family. What was that uh, dealing like? What was that to deal like? Plus, being a student athlete on top of all of this, I mean, it was difficult. I mean, I wasn't able to go home for the whole year just because 
Um, the restrictions that they had at the time was different from here. But, um, I mean, it was for most of us at the time, too. Everybody else on the team weren't allowed to go home just because they were afraid of the COVID tracing and stuff. So we all had to go through it in regards of uh, the pandemic. But it wasn't really much difficult. Uh, we were able to get through it. And I'm happy that it's um, closer to the end right now. You know, it's funny. It, to me... It seems like ever since you left town um, in high school, that's really when you grew up, right? You, do you almost yeah. feel like since you were 16 years old, you've really been yeah. on your own? Yeah, for sure. Definitely matured me. Um, being 16, not having mom do your laundry, telling you to do homework, it definitely matured me at the early age. So uh, I'm grateful for that, at the, being at the age of 16, just able to mature fastly, and most others do. So um, I'm grateful for that, man. We're talking to to Shamar Givens here on Sports Talk as we continue bottom of the hour. More in a moment. But first, let's send it back to Adrian and get one last bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Job, Adrian, uh, new UTEP point guard, Shamar Givens with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. All right, Shamar, you've worn number five your entire career at Evansville. I've got good news for you. Number five is now available here at UTEP. Will you keep the same number as you uh, become uh, a UTEP minor? Yes, sir. Definitely keeping that five. It means a lot to me. Um, I work for a reason because I have five family members in my household. So definitely means a lot to me. Um, and I will be wearing that next season. I like that. Five family. Do we have any other basketball players besides you? Pardon me? Are there any other basketball players in the Givens household besides yourself? Yeah, my dad played basketball growing up, and my brother is 16, and he's developing as well, coming up. Could we potentially see your uh, 16-year-old little brother uh, become a college basketball player? Does he have the chops, Shamar? Give me a, give me a little uh, scouting report on him. Yeah, he do. He do. Definitely taller than me. Um, he's gifted, and he definitely will be playing college basketball, 100%. All right. Maybe we'll see him as a minor. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun for real. All right. Now, give me a scouting report on your game. Let's start defense first. Uh, I always like to let uh, our interview uh, our, our our interviewees uh, give us their uh, you know their opinion of of what their game's like. What are you on the defensive side? If you had to describe yourself, um, I would say quick, um, very uh, strength. So I don't like getting the post up. So I'll fight and show off my strength with being able to hold my own. Um, definitely like to play in the gap with Coach Goldman's style of shooting the gap. So it'll be fun to play in different and playing like that, going for steals um, and um, learning to develop my game and taking charges. I started learning this year, and I'm definitely willing to translate it to next season with the minors. Shamar, it sounds like you like to pickpocket uh, your opposition when you're on defense. Is that one of yeah. your bread and butters right there? And if if so, what do you do on the other side? Do you like to push it quick and score in transition, or do you like to kind of set things back up on the offensive side? I definitely like to push. I'm using my speed, which is one of my best attributes. So I definitely like to push the ball and um, get transition buckets, easy buckets for sure. So Sarah Tui joined us a moment ago. She's in the UTEP athletic department. Before she came to UTEP, she was at Evansville, and she knows okay. your game very well. As a matter of fact, she remembered you, and she told me that, man, Shamar is so quick that when he'd get up and down the floor, sometimes, you know, the rest of the team had to catch up. That just, for you, speed was definitely a big part of your game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. 
and I do remember her too. I just seen her tweet earlier today, and I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, wow, small world. She felt the same way, trust me. That's good. You'll get a chance to reconnect with her when you're here at UTEP here uh, in a couple months. That'll be good. What about the offensive game? Uh, I noticed that uh, your shooting percentage has been uh, over 40% the last couple of seasons as you saw more playing time and kind of elevated your role. Are you somebody that really works and spends a lot of hours in the gym, especially on your shot? Yes, sir. I try to work up at least um, four times a week just shooting and developing my shot getting in the gun, getting on the shooting gun, and just shooting um, four times a day. What about um, like the rest of your offensive game? Are you Do you enjoy driving to the hole? Are you someone that, that likes to try to uh, you know penetrate into the basket? Are you more of, a, of an outside shooter? Let me hear, uh, let me hear strengths and, and some of the things you need to work on offensively. Um, definitely. I love driving. Uh, just penetrating, be able to finish over the bigs is – one of my skills that I've been working on since I was young. So um, I definitely love that. And um, something I need to work on is definitely um, developing, like, my floater game. And um, just shooting more of a mid-range style is something I definitely will be working on this summer and hopefully translate it to next season. Going back to kind of the reasons you chose UTEP, what really struck you about head coach Joe Golding and, and what he was trying to pitch to you as far as joining the minors? Um, well, obviously easier said than done, but Coach Golden is definitely a winner. Um, and I, and I love that about him and having Coach Earl Boykins being a small guard like myself, um, having that relatable aspect and, um, definitely, um, just the city as well. And also that coach's history, Coach Golden's history with small guards as well and with Abilene Christian. And he was able to play four small guards at the same time, which is pretty impressive to me. So, I felt like it was just like the most relatable school for me, and I felt like it was perfect. All right, now you're listed 5'10". Are you a legit 5'10", Shamar? Yes, sir. All right. Good. I'm I'm five ten. I haven't shrunk yet. So when we go, so when we yeah. when you come in El Paso, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I want uh, we'll, we'll we'll test your five ten skills against mine, which is good. I like I, that. I'm, and and I might be five eleven with shoes though. Who knows? All right. You know what? Me too. Me too. So we'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll match you. I'll match you inch for inch on that. Um, but at the same time, do you almost feel? Like you've got a chip on your shoulder. You're in, you know, nowadays in college basketball, you're a little bit undersized. I mean, most point guards are, yeah. some could be up to six five, six six, six seven. So you tell yeah. me, as somebody that goes five ten, when you play, do you do you have that that chip on your shoulder? Always do. I've been since I was young. I mean, just being that smaller guy on the court is definitely just showing that I always have something to prove. So I always have a chip on my shoulder and just love to prove people wrong and just being able to. Have that underdog mindset is definitely uh, one of the things I enjoy. It's just always being able to just prove. So I always had that chip on my shoulder. You know who else had that same chip? Coach, Coach Boykins. Bingo. You nailed it. You <laughs> took my yeah. salt. You, you hit it out of the park. You're right. And look, over a decade in the NBA. So now, yeah. not only do you get to come to UTEP, but you get to work with somebody on a regular basis who knows exactly the situation that you're in because that was him, except he's uh, five inches uh, shorter than you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. He's a good, a great guy, and um, I'm looking forward to work with him. 
I noticed on the Evansville website your major was undeclared. You tell me, as a grad transfer, what are you going to be pursuing when you're here at UTEP? I'm going to be looking forward to getting my MBA um, and going from there. So I've definitely got my business and uh, degree, and I'm looking forward to getting my master's. Good. Final question for you. Since you've been to Utah before, you probably already know the answer to this, but are you looking forward to the food? Because El Paso happens to be the Mexican food capital of the United States. Yes, I'm ready for it. I hope, I hope you'll be able to show me some spots when I reach down there, man. Do you like to eat? Yeah, that's, of course, man. Then you're gonna, gotta love to eat. Then you're going to do some damage, Shamar. You're going to do some damage <laughs> in El Paso. I like that. All right, listen, welcome to town. Welcome to UTEP. Um, I'm assuming you'll probably be here uh, sometime either in June or July, correct? Yeah, I'll be there in June. Good. We'll look forward to meeting you face-to-face. And in the meantime, way to go. Enjoyed the uh, conversation, and thanks so much for spending a little time with us here on Sports Talk. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me, and I appreciate you guys. We, see you soon. we appreciate you as well. Shamar Givens, folks, get ready. You get a chance to see number five in the backcourt for the UTEP Miners coming up in the 2022-23 season. We'll wrap it up next. Final countdown right here on Sports Talk and 600 ESPN El Paso.